Welcome to Learning Bible Truth. Thank God for another season. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D. Here to take you on a tour of the Bible by reading entire books in the Bible. Not just one scripture, full chapters. And of course, I share my commentary while we read line upon line and precept upon precept of every word of scripture. Since you won't take the time to study and show yourself approved before God, I am bringing the scriptures to you. So get your Bibles, take out pen and paper, invite family and friends, take notes, and let's grow in faith while we learn how to walk in God's amazing grace. Not my will, Lord, but God's will be done by giving our lives to his son, Jesus the Christ. everyone. Welcome to Learning Bible Truth. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamla D. Forgive me, I'm trying to get situated as I speak to you guys. Um, um, welcome back. Welcome back. We have been through <laughs> uh, literally uh, a storm. Uh, Hurricane Ida hit the uh, Louisiana East Coast. I am happy to say, proud to say, to God be all the glory, I'm okay. My family is okay. My friends are okay. I've, I have some friends who sustain some damage to their homes, but it, nothing that can't be repaired. And um, they are physically okay. Uh, praise God. To God be the glory. It was a category four. I have been through approximately eight hurricanes, and this was by far the worst. But I never doubted that I would be okay. I have insurance, so if I had lost anything, it can be replaced. I'm not, you know, um, addicted to anything that I have. I don't worship things. And um, fortunately, God spared my family and my friends, and, and we are truly grateful. I know I am. To God be the glory. Now, we, just like I promised, are entering episode six of this 36, maybe 46 week series entitled Search the Scriptures. In them, they will lead you to Jesus. Now, the foundational scripture, which I will not read, is found in John chapter 5, verse um, 39 and 40. You can read that later if you want. But we are moving out of Genesis in the past four or previous episodes, we covered Jesus in Genesis. So now we are moving over to the book of Exodus. And I promise you this episode, episode six, will be lingering in your mind for a long time. We are going even more in depth where you will clearly see Jesus as God in the book of Exodus. So, I will continue to read from the New International Version, NIV. If I choose to um, switch versions of the Bible, I'll let you know. So with that said, let's get this truth on the road. 
Go to Exodus chapter 1. We are going to read verse 22 and then move to chapter 2 and I will read verse 3. Okay? So Exodus chapter 1 verse 22 I am reading. Then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people. Every boy that is born you must throw into the Nile, but let every girl live. Now you can go on over to chapter two, verse three. Now a man of the house of Levi married a Levite woman and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, meaning he was beautiful, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket now, papyrus basket, in your version, it may have what it actually is, but in the NIV, let me explain. It was material made like thick paper. That's what they used back in the ancient days. Um, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. Now, y'all should know who we are getting ready to talk about. Now, remember, I said this before. Let me say it again. We now are leaving the book of Genesis and we have moved over to the book of Exodus. OK, now the Israelites have been or had been in Egypt for over 400 years. They had been reduced to slavery, just as God had earlier told Abraham in Genesis 15, 13 and 14. Now, I may be referring to some scriptures that we read in Genesis, which is okay, like this one. Um, and I think it bears reading again. Genesis 15, 13, and 14, this is God talking to Abraham about his descendants being in a foreign country and will be enslaved. But listen, let me read this quote, and this is from the NIV again. Now, for certain that your descendants, this is God talking to Abraham, will be strangers in a country not their own, or your version may say, may be foreigners in a country not their own, and they will be enslaved and mistreated 400 years. But listen to this, verse 14, but I will punish the nation they serve as slaves. And afterward, they will come out with great possessions. Now, that great possessions is reparation. Now, um, the United States not paying reparation to people of color is going to be the downfall of America. America's sin is slavery. And they have not repented of that sin. They have not paid people of color reparation. Now, I have a series coming up after this 36-46-week series and I will show you, even though the United States was not in the biblical days, I will show you the United States and what the Bible says about the United States today. And the United States, I don't want to scare anybody, but the truth is the truth. The Bible hasn't failed yet. The United States is going to fall and it's going to fall hard. Okay, now enough of that. Now I want you to remember Pharaoh, he worried that the Israel, Israelite slaves would become too many. And he thought that they would overwhelm his kingdom. Because according to Exodus chapter 1 verse 7, the Israelites were fruitful and they were multiplying greatly every day. So that the land was filled with a lot of Israelites. 
So Pharaoh, therefore, undertook a deliberate massacre. Yes, he did. He was a monster. And he aimed at reducing their number, the number of the Israelites. Now, it was the first in a line of many campaigns the Jews had suffered throughout history, and they continue to suffer. Now, Pharaoh ordered the Hebrew midwives to kill any male children, but allowed the girls to live. Now, that didn't work. So he then ordered that all male children be thrown into the Nile River to drown. Now, Moses was a child that was one of them who was ordered to be thrown into the Nile. He was ordered to be murdered. Now, later, we will see Moses as a type of Christ in other respects. But here we see him portraying the baby Jesus, even in his infancy. Now, in order to save Moses, his parents constructed a little ark. It was a boat of reeds and tar and launched him onto the Nile. Now, this little boat is also a picture of the Lord Jesus. You know, remember I talked about the ark being a covering, a, a, a protection for uh, God's people. And it was also a uh, deliverance. And that was in chapter seven of Genesis. Now, when Jesus was born, a king, not Pharaoh reigned, but his worries were similar, just like Pharaoh's. Herod was his name. Now, Herod learned from a group of wise men from the east that a new king had been born in Judea. Now, Herod worried about a usurper to his throne. Now, I chose to use that word to sum it up. But for those of you who don't know what a usurper is, it's uh, um, someone uh, or a uh, sect overthrowing, illegally overthrowing the kingdom or the throne of a king. Okay. Now, after Herod learned from his chief priests and teachers of the law that the Messiah was to be born in Bethlehem because the teachers of the law knew about the coming of the Messiah, the baby Jesus. Now, Herod said to his wise men, go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. Now, that's in Matthew 2 and 8. Now, you know, Herod was lying. Now, so... After the wise men were warned not to return to Herod and the despot realized he had been outwitted, he began to slaughter all the male children two years old and younger around Bethlehem. He was trying to get to the baby Jesus. Now, the prophet Jeremiah had foreseen this event back in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 15. And it's also quoted in Matthew 2, 18. Matthew 2.18 says this, a voice is heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Now, Joseph was forewarned by an angel of the Lord to flee to Egypt with Mary and the child. Now, he said in Matthew 2.13, get up, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. It's amazing how Egypt was a place of refuge <laughs> and Egypt, the Egyptians were black people. Okay. Uh, let me continue in verse 13, chapter two of Matthew. Stay there until I tell you for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Isn't it something how God knows how to protect his own? Okay. Now they stayed there until Herod died and an angel told them it was safe to return. 
So Joseph and Mary settled in Nazareth in the district of Galilee. Now Moses would grow up to be the most revered leader of the nation of Israel. Even today, if, if a Jew is asked who was the greatest of his people, chances are that they will say Moses. Now, the author of Hebrews in the New Testament says this about Moses in Hebrews chapter three, verses four through six. He says this, for every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, testifying to what would be said in the future. But Christ is faithful as a son over God's house. And we are his house if we hold on to our courage and the hope of which we boast. Now this scripture is confirming that Jesus is greater than Moses. That's what that scripture is, is, is referring to. Now I want you to go to Exodus chapter three and we are going to read verses one through six. And then we're going to um, read the verses 13 and 14. Okay, now this Exodus chapter 3 verses 1 through 6. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Harob, or Harob, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Now you guys get ready. Just brace yourselves. Oh my God, we are about to receive some revelation here. Let me continue. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up? When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush. Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. It's holy ground because God was there, okay? Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they asked me, what is the name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, my Lord, my Lord. God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Now we saw a theophany right here. Now, back in chapter nine, where God appeared as a smoking fire pot and a burning torch, here God comes face to face with Moses, speaking to the frightened Israelite from a burning bush that is not consumed. Moses asked God his name. God answers, I am who I am, or I am that I am, depending on which version of the Bible you have. Now the words I am here, the acronyms for Jehovah is Y-H-W-H. Now in the original Hebrew language in which most of the Old Testament is written, we would say this word Yahweh. Now in a very guttural way, like Yahweh. 
Now, or more likely, Jehovah. Okay, Jews might render Yahweh as Adonai because they have been forbidden to voice the original pronunciation since about the third century BC. Now, what does this I am mean? Now, and, and, and let me say, and how does it link to Jesus? Now, God is saying that he is the preexistent creator of the universe. That is what he is saying with no beginning and no end. Now, in order to see how the name links to Jesus, let's turn our attention to a conversation Jesus had with the Pharisees and teachers of the law that centered on Abraham. Okay, I want you to go to John chapter eight, and I'm going to read verses 51 through 59. You can pause the tape, but for the sake of time, I'm going to resume. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. If anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. At this, the Jews exclaimed. Now we know that you are a demon possessed, that you are demon possessed. Abraham died and so did the prophets. Yet you say that if anyone keeps your word, he will never taste death. So what, the, what they are saying is that Abraham died and so did all the prophets. So who are you not to die? This is what they are saying. So Jesus said this. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. And they said, you are not yet 50 years old, the Jews said to him. And you say you have seen Abraham. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered. Before Abraham was born, I am. Did you hear the answer that Jesus gave? Before Abraham was born, I am. Jesus was saying he was the creator of the heavens and the earth. That same spirit, that same fire that talked to Moses from the burning bush was Jesus. This is why the scriptures need to be rightly divided. Okay. Jesus was definitely God in the flesh. He was talking to Moses from that burning bush. Jesus said before Abraham was born, I am. My Lord. Oh, I get excited. I get excited, especially when you know you have revelation of the scriptures. Now, let me finish. At this, they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself slipping away. Now, let me, I wasn't going to add this to um, this episode, but it, it fits right here. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I want you to pay attention to Jesus hid himself and slipped away. They could not touch Jesus until he was ready to go to Calvary. This is not the only scripture in the New Testament where they tried to get Jesus, tried to pick up stones to stone him, but they couldn't. He just disappeared in their midst. Only God can do that. Jesus was not a magician. Trust me. Okay. Now the I am Jesus uses here was literally Jehovah or Yahweh. Now Jesus is making a direct claim upon eternal preexistence. The claim to be God. Now, notice that the Jews immediately took up stones to stone him, which was the method of execution prescribed for blasphemy in Israel. Now, there's no question in their minds that Jesus was using the divine name. Jesus claimed to be the great I am of the burning bush. 
Now we could go on for, for decades about this. Instead, let's look at some other I am statements of our Lord and emphasis is always on mine. Now I'm the one placing the emphasis, but let's look at some other I am's that Jesus said. John 6 35. Then Jesus claimed, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. And he who believes in me will never be thirsty. John 8, 12. You can write all this down because I'm about to zoom through here. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. John 10, 7. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. John 10 and 11. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. John eleven twenty five. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. John 14, 6, which is my all time favorite scripture. John 14, 6, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. John 15, one, Jesus said, I am the true vine and my father is the garden. Now, some have falsely stated that Jesus never really claimed to be God. <laughs> That's because they don't know these scriptures. Nothing could be further from the truth. The Pharisees and teachers of the law knew precisely what he was claiming to be or who Jesus was claiming to be. Now, go to Exodus chapter five. We're going to uh, review Jesus in Exodus chapters five through chapter 11. Okay. Um, now let's look at Exodus chapter five, verses one and two. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went, went to Pharaoh and said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, let my people go so that they may hold a festival to me in the desert. Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey him and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord and I will not let Israel go. And a lot of people don't know the Lord. We have a lot of Pharaohs running around faking like they're Christians. But as soon as destruction happens, you will find out who Christians are not. Because if you don't have faith, see, real Christians don't panic when something happens. I had to drink some water. Uh-uh. Real Christians do not panic just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't panic. Now, that's a whole nother story, but it fits right here. I'm, I'm, I may read that just before the end of this series. Now, the fallen angel Satan appears in the Holy Scriptures in the Garden of Eden with the first couple, Adam and Eve. Now, like Jesus, pictures of Satan regularly occurs in the Bible. Nimrod in Genesis 10, chapter 8, is one of uh, Satan's people. Now, Pharaoh, king of Egypt, is another. Now, Egypt is a picture of the world system. And just as Pharaoh is ruler of Egypt, Satan is the ruler of this world system. You can read 2 Corinthians 4, 4, for instance. Now, he is the God with a little g of this world in these verses. Satan is not the God of all the ages. He is the God of this world. Okay, he's not the creator of this world. That's why this world sees so much destruction because Satan is in charge. But God has an ark around his people. That's why we are still standing when the smoke clears. Now, Moses and Aaron have been commissioned by God 
who we've just seen is Jesus in the burning bush. We're talking about finding Jesus in the Old Testament, in the scriptures. Didn't Jesus say, search the scriptures? In them you think you have eternal life, but it is them, them what? The scriptures who testify of me. Now, we've just seen Jesus in the burning bush to present themselves to Pharaoh and tell him to let Israelites leave Egypt. Jesus was telling Moses to go and tell Pharaoh to let his people leave Egypt. Okay. Now God says of Pharaoh in Exodus chapter nine, verse 16, God says this, I have raised you up for this very purpose that I might show you my power and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Now it is the same with Satan. God allows him to roam because it serves God's purpose in his self revelation. Now the book of revelation in the new Testament speaks of our Lord conquering Satan by throwing him into the lake of, of fire and brimstone. That's in revelation chapter 20, verse 10. And a lot of people going to follow Satan right there in the lake of fire and brimstone. Those are who are outside of Christ. Now it is interesting that God also throws Pharaoh into a lake to die as well. The red sea. In fact, many similarities exist between these chapters in Exodus and Revelation. Now, as you may recall, the 11 plagues that God brings upon Pharaoh and his people in Exodus are the plagues of snakes, water into blood, frogs. I'll be hauling tail because I'm scared of frogs. Gnats, flies, you know, against livestock, boils, hail, locusts, darkness, and finally the depths of Egypt's firstborn. Now, similarly, in the book of Revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ, to be exact, they appear again. Like Moses and Aaron, two witnesses are, pro are promised who will have the power to work miracles in God's name. That's in Revelation chapter 11, verses 3 through 6. The beast is also able to work signs and wonders. Uh-huh. That's how Satan can fool a lot of y'all, because he's able to work signs and wonders too. And once again, water is turned into blood in chapters 8, verse 8, and chapter 16, verses 4 through 5. Now, frogs conjured up by the satanic forces re reappear in chapter 16, verse 13. Another plague of locusts appears in chapter 9, verses 2 and 11. Balls, boils from God afflict those who oppose him in chapter 16, verse two. Now, hailstones hit the earth once again in chapter eight, verse seven. Now, a terrible darkness shall descend upon the earth during those days, chapter 16, verse 10. The wicked will harden their hearts like they are doing right now. They are hardening their hearts against the true and living God, just like Pharaoh did in chapter nine, verse 20 and 21. Death will reign on the earth, chapter nine, verse 15. It is in, I don't think it's a coincidence that John's vision is so much like the history of Israel's journey. I just don't think it is. It's not a coincidence. Like the Israelites who were delivered from Pharaoh's clutches in Exodus, all of God's saints will be delivered from the clutches of Satan. All of God's saints. You know, I often tell people, everyone is not a child of God. Now, everyone may be the creation of God, but everyone doesn't belong to God. We, you have to go through the adoption agency of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Now, like Paul writes in Romans chapter 11, verse 26, Paul says this. And so all Israel will be saved as it is written. The deliverer will come from Zion. He will turn godliness away from Jacob. Now the church, of course, is the true Israel, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, again, in first John three, verse eight, the reason the son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Now, some people are eager to attribute Satan with too much power. Now, many believe that he's a match for God. Ain't no match. Ain't no, Satan ain't no match for God. But the Bible is clear that God controls Satan's every move and uses him for his own purposes. As we've said uh, uh, before that I said previously, nowhere in scripture is this more clearly, clearly seen than in the book of Job. In chapters one and two of that book, we have a conversation that took place between God and Satan. And a lot of people can read this and still say that God made Job suffer. No, he didn't. It was the devil. And it's written that Satan and God had a conversation. Now, Satan had accused Job of only trusting in God because his because of his wealth and the, the good living situation Job was in. So he proposed, he proposed a test. God granted Satan the right to attack Job, taking away his wealth and his children and ultimately his health, not his life. Now, without God's permission is what you need to focus on. Satan could not have done anything to Job. Satan is powerless without God's permission. And all the destruction you see Satan wreaking on this, on this planet is because he has permission to do it. People are turning their backs on God. People have turned away from God, but God promises to secure and protect his people. Uh-huh. So you might say, why does God allow Satan to exist at all? Now we have the answer in Exodus chapter nine, verse 16. And as quoted by Paul in Romans nine, chapter 17, for the scripture says to Pharaoh, I raised you up for this very purpose and Pharaoh representing Satan. Okay. Pharaoh was a representation of Satan. Uh, Paul says in Romans chapter nine, verse 17, once again, for the scripture says to Pharaoh, I raised you up for this very purpose that I might display my power in you and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. My Lord. My Lord, now let's look at how Jesus is our Passover lamb. Go to Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12, and I will be reading verses 21 through 23. Then Moses summoned all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go at once and select the animals for your families and slaughter the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop, dip it into blood in the basin, and put some of the blood on the top and on both sides of the door frame. Not one of you shall go out the door of his house until morning. When the Lord goes through the land to strike down the Egyptians, he will see the blood on, on the top and sides of the door frame and will pass over that doorway. And he will not permit the destroyer to enter your house and strike, strike you down, my Lord. My Lord, did you just, re did you hear this? 
This is how the blood of Jesus protects us. The destroyer cannot take our lives because we are covered in the blood of Jesus. Now, Moses and Aaron stood before Pharaoh time and time again. Each time they displayed the awesome power of God to perform miracles. Each time God slugged away at Pharaoh and the Egyptians with all sorts of plagues. And, and that devil Pharaoh never budged. Almost every time Pharaoh would agree to let the Israelites leave Egypt only to go back on his word, just like Satan does and keep them in slavery. He didn't want to up them slaves. Okay. Now, finally, God planned one last plague, the plague on the first born. Okay. The Israelites were warned that on a certain evening, the, the 10th day of the first month, the Lord will pass over the land of Egypt, slaying the firstborn of both men and animals in every home. Okay. Now in order for their homes to be spared, they were to sacrifice a lamb, taking some of its blood and smearing it on the sides and top of the door frames of their homes. The lamb was then to be eaten in haste by the family. God ordered that the Passover feast was to be commemorated continually by the Israelites. Did you hear what I just said? He ordered that the Passover feast was to be commemorated continually by the Israelites after they entered the promised land. That's not for us to do continually. That's for the Israelites. Okay. <laughs> My God, I don't know how clear the Bible have to be for some of y'all to just get it, but people are, are practicing these things, these rituals today, as if it's for us, it's not for us. We're not Israelites. Now we've already seen a sheep sacrificed in chapter 12, where Abraham took his son, Isaac to Mount Moriah. Here, another lamb is sacrificed in protection of God's people. All who faithfully carried out the Lord's command to slaughter a lamb and place its blood on the door frames of their homes would be spared from disaster. Okay. Now the scripture then says in Exodus 12, chapter 29, it says this at midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in Egypt from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on the throne to the firstborn of the prisoners who was in the dungeon and the firstborn of the livestock as well. Now the last supper, as it has come, uh, or has become known to us where Jesus washed the feet of his disciples was a Passover feast. Now these words are from John chapter 13, verse one. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the father. It is no coincidence that our Lord Jesus was slain on the eve of the Passover. For as Paul says in first Corinthians chapter five, verse seven, Christ, our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. Now the blood of the lamb in Egypt was to be placed on the um, horizontal and vertical wooden frames of the doorpost. Now in like manner, Jesus's blood was smeared from his mutilated body on the horizontal and vertical members of the cross. The original Passover was a time of judgment. All those who put their trust in God's word were spared and those who did not suffer the consequences, just like today. It is the same at the cross of Christ. The cross is the focal point of all history written in this Bible. 
For on it are the sheep separated from the goats, the regenerate from the reprobates. Reprobate just simply means um, rejected from God. Okay. Matthew chapter 25, verse 32. Now on the cross, the fullness of human depravity echoed the depravity of Pharaoh. Yet the grace of God was shown as never before. Earlier at that Passover feast in the upper room in Matthew chapter 26, verses 26 through 28, it's, Jesus says this. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks and offered it, offered it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Now, we must not be ignorant of these things, saints. The problem is most people today don't have a clue what the Bible say. And if they try to read it, they don't understand it. They don't understand it. I had somebody, I'm going to leave that alone today. I don't know who they listening to, what they listening to, but they are literally losing their minds after Hurricane Ida. And claim to be a Christian. Yeah. But you can't be a Christian. Listen to Satan. Trust in what he says. And then you say you're a Christian and you follow in Christ. You can't do both. You can't do it. You can't do it. Now we must not be ignorant of these things. Saints Paul says in Acts chapter 17 and 30. In the past God overlooked such ignorance. But now he commands all people everywhere to repent. Everybody to repent of their idol gods, including Muslims. Worshiping idol gods, God used to ignore it back in the day because he knew his son was coming to die for the sins of the world. Now we don't have no excuse. God is requesting, and you need to write Acts 17 verse 30 down. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. And this means repent of your idol God, your idol worship, and worship the true and living God, a God full of grace and mercy. Uh-huh, because a time is coming, saints. It's going to be too late. You're going to be calling on the Lord and he ain't going to be there for you. Now is the time. I'm telling you. Now, have you trusted the true Passover lamb? Have you trusted the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you? Because tomorrow is not promised to you. Salvation is today. Now, let's um, look at how Jesus called out of Egypt, okay? He was called out of Egypt. So we're still in Exodus chapter 12. I'm going to read verses 40 and 42. Well, verses 40 through 42. So that's 40, 41, and 42. Now, the length of time the Israelite people lived in Egypt was 430 years. At the end of the 430 years, to the very day, all the Lord's divisions left Egypt because the Lord kept vigil that night to bring them out of Egypt. On this night, all the Israelites are to keep vigil to honor the Lord for the, for the generations to come. The Israelites are to honor the Lord for the generations to come. Okay. Now, previously in Genesis chapter 15, verse 13, the Lord said to Abraham, Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own or either foreigners in a country not their own, and they will be enslaved and mistreated 400 years. But 
I will punish the nation they serve as slaves. And afterward, they will come out with great possessions. Now, this is exactly what had happened. The Egyptians were so anxious to see the Israelites leave Egypt that they gave them articles of silver and gold and clothing. That's in Exodus chapter 12, verse 35 and 36. They plundered the Egyptians. They robbed them. They took all their goods. All their goods. That was reparation for enslaving them for 430 years. Now, the Israelites' exodus from Egypt is one of the most amazing events in the history of the world. Now, many who study Egyptology doubt its truth. Mm -hmm. Yes, we have some doubters. Inasmuch as nothing has been found in the ancient Egypt hieroglyphics to support its truth. Now, we can understand that as history has often been distorted by those with something to hide. Now, this awesome defeat of their king and, and their idol gods was nothing to be proud of indeed. It was something to forget. Now, one of the reasons to trust the Bible is that it gives us the true story in redemptive history. Warts and all. Now, it pulls no punches. By his mighty hand, God led the people out of Egypt toward the promised land. He divided the water of the Red Sea and they walked through on dry land. That's in Exodus chapter 14, verse 21. Now, a verse in Hosea chapter 11, verse one speaks of God's call to come out of Egypt. It says, when Israel was a child, I loved him and out of Egypt, I called my son. That verse in the Old Testament written many hundreds of years later speaks to three important events in human history. Number one, of course, is as it looks backward to remember the escape of the Israelites from the clutches of Pharaoh. Number two, a historical event of which Hosea chapter 11 verse one prophesies is that of Jesus who too was called out of Egypt. It was the call to Joseph in Matthew chapter two to take the baby Jesus into Egypt to escape the clutches of the evil Herod. Then when Herod died, Jesus and his little family was called out of Egypt. The word of God says in Matthew chapter two, verses 14 and 15 says this. So Joseph got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet Hosea. Out of Egypt, I called my son. Hallelujah. Out of Egypt, I called my son. The prophet Hosea prophesied about Jesus being called out of Egypt. Now, someone asks, where do we read of the, of the third event in history where the verse in Hosea is fulfilled? Okay, you ready? Actually, the third event has occurred not once, but millions of times in redemptive history. It occurs each time another man, woman, or child is effectually called to follow Christ. Egypt is a picture of this world and its evil ways. God, in his great love for us, while we were still sinners, calls us out of Egypt to himself, Romans 5, 8. We who were in the clutches of Satan, of whom Pharaoh and Herod speak, are by God's grace and power 
brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. Romans 8, 21. Please read these scriptures I'm calling out. An interesting side note to call to the Israelites to come out of Egypt is found in Psalms 105, 37. God brought out Israel laden with silver and gold and from among their tribes, no one faltered. Not only did the Israelites plunder the Egyptians as God had promised in, in Genesis chapter 15, verse 14, but not one was sickly or infirm in any way. The King James version says this. I like this version. There was not one feeble person among their tribes. They were in good shape for the journey. Now, so too are we who have come out of Egypt in good shape for the journey as we are fed and led by God's spirit. My Lord, my Lord, saints, I think I am going to stop right here. I know you got a taste of the picture that's coming. We are going deeper and deeper. We found in, in uh, episode six that it was Jesus talking to Moses in the burning bush. Jesus is the great I am. Jesus, when he came to earth in the flesh, he was God, 100% God in spirit. And he put on 100% flesh from man, from, from Mary, his mother. So he understand what we go through, but Jesus never faltered. Now he never been. He kept his relationship with God, the father. And that's what we will, we are supposed to do. Now, for those of you who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, come on, come on. You need to do it today. Tomorrow is not promised to you. You can go to Romans chapter 10 verses 9 through 11, but I will only share verses 9 and 10. This is the altar call. If you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, meaning that, you know, Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. That's what makes him Lord. And that you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, meaning you know that Jesus is seated right now at God's right hand. That means you know God raised him from the dead and placed him at his right hand. You are saved. Hallelujah. You don't have to jump through no hips, flip backwards 12 times, burn some candles, confess some sins to a man sitting behind a curtain who's a sinner just like you. A sinner can't save a sinner. Jesus is not a sinner, was never a sinner. He never sinned, even though he was tempted just as we are today. But he never, ever wavered because he was on a mission. And saints, I'm here to tell you, if you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And I am here to tell you, that's all you need to do. Now, you need to follow Jesus to be obedient in water baptism, representing the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. When you come up, you should come up in new life, in newness of life, because those who are in Christ are new creatures. Uh-huh. You have become a new creation, and the only way you can become a new creation is to be born again of the Word of God. You have to allow God's Word to change your spirit. That's why we have a lot of sinning so-called Christians out here. They don't know the Word of God. Uh-uh. You will hear people say things, they, they making it up and then they will attach it to God. But um, that has nothing to do with God. That has to do with that individual. Okay. It's impossible for you to know God without knowing his word. And I think I need to say that again. It is impossible for you to know God without knowing his word. And his word is recorded in the Holy Bible only. The Holy Bible. That's where you find and read God's will. 
His will is his word. So in order for you to get to know God and in order for you to be born again by the word of God, you need to, you need to hear his word. Continue to listen to learning Bible truth because you're going to hear the truth here. You will definitely hear the truth here. And you guys can stand by for my closing remarks and you will be given information on how you can contact me. You can email me with any questions you may have. And trust me, episode seven will be just as groundbreaking as episode six. Jesus was in the burning bush talking to Moses all those hundreds of years prior before he came to earth in the flesh. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What are we doing, saints? Searching the scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life, but it is they who testify of me. We just testified that Jesus was the great I am in the burning bush talking to Moses. Hallelujah. We can end the series here, <laughs> but I'm not. I enjoy teaching a little bit too much. Hallelujah. To God be all the glory. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you and you wouldn't be here if it wasn't for God. Please continue to grow in his word. Because without faith, it is impossible to please God for he that comes to God must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder, not a punisher, a rewarder to those who diligently seek him. So until next time, saints, peace out. were enlightened by this message. If you have any questions or comments about this particular episode, please send your questions or comments to talkingbibletruth.cd at gmail.com or you can send me a direct message through my podcast by clicking on the message button located on the homepage of all my podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcasts, and Radio Public to submit your remarks. I should note that you must be a follower of my show to submit a voice message. So don't forget to click the follow button. You can also support my podcast financially by accessing the homepage on my podcast and clicking on the support this podcast button. Whatever you choose to donate will be greatly appreciated and used to help further the gospel. I am praying for God to give you a return on your donation. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 14, the Apostle Paul says, In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. English Standard Version. Please sow your seed in good ground with a cheerful heart because God loves a cheerful giver. Now until next time, my sisters and brothers, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We walk by faith, not by sight. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D. Rightly dividing the word of truth in peace and love. And remember, continue to walk with Jesus. I thank you for tuning in and I hope to see you next time. <laughs>